everyone. Um, so what I, what I present is that um, mainly is from the uh, working paper that Sabine and I wrote on child poverty. That is, by the way, here if you're interested and want to take a copy, but it's also online, so it's, uh, you can always download it. And it also presents some slightly further analysis that we couldn't include in the paper on basically robust the sensitivity of the, of the result. So that, I think that would be interesting to, to see from the presentation. Um, so you, this, this is the outline. I'll, I'll explain first the motivation and refer a little bit on, on the, um, <coughs> the review of the different works that have been done on composite measure of child poverty. Then a very brief uh, couple of slides on the methodology as a reminder to those who don't know and perhaps uh, a reference and, and reflection on how it, uh, it would be applied to child poverty measurement. Then I'll put more emphasis on illustrating the case with uh, data from Bangladesh and some final comments. Um, so a little bit on the on the background. People who, who were here in the last seminar um, know the MPI and, and measure multidimensional poverty. And even though multidimensional poverty is not very it's not mainstream in welfare economics, uh, when you think in terms of child poverty, it's uh, quite wide accepted that child poverty would only be possible to be assessed from a multidimensional perspective. Um, and that, of course, uh, had to do partly with the nature of the, I, I suppose it had to do partly with the nature of the um, problematic, which is the children's poverty, but also with the nature, I think, with the people who work on the subject, which tend to be a little more interdisciplinary, I think. Um, but also because it is based on also a much more wider discussion on, on children's rights that, um, well, it goes back quite, quite a lot in time and then there's a, a series of words we meet on child poverty rights and a wide range of agreements on what should be the, the, the right and the, and the key goals on children's uh, alleviation of poverty. And then during the 90s, and, and now more recently as well, UNICEF, together with also some other organizations, but UNICEF as well, have been aiming to gather more data that can, can be used to monitor children's rights. Um, one example you probably have heard of is the MIX, the, this MIX survey. Um, and then what we have, of course, now is that is if in the 80s we didn't have much data, the data was simply aggregated indicators, now we have a really wide range of, of data that is comparable. And even though that, uh, well, that's really rich and interesting, one of the problems with having such a large, wide data is that then it's re really difficult to get a final synthesis and picture of of, uh, and synthesis of how the situation is. And that's, that's the justification of looking for uh, 
multidimensional measures. So a measure that is able to synthesize the really wide range of information in, in for example, in the MDGs and in, in the more uh, set of indicators. And then there's a different studies that have, have done and, and aim to do uh, and reach um, composite indicators, some from Save the Children, some from policy, from the people on public policy here in, in Oxford as well, some work in your life, more monitoring the children, perhaps which is more qualitative, but also really interesting, and the, the work on the Bristol approach, which is the one that we, we focus more on. And the reason why we focus more on the Bristol approach is because this was a really wide study that used household survey data and that focused on the joint distribution of the population. So not only on uh, aggregate indicator, or in the case of SAMED, uh, there was uh, census data, but it was, this one is based on household survey data. So what's, what's the Bristol approach and what's the study? That was the first um, global study from child poverty. I included a uh, quite a wide range of, of countries, I think over 80 countries, and he used data from demographic health survey and, and mixed data. Um, and uh, what I did is to, based on, on human, rights human rights approach and an international convention, and in particular the Copenhagen definition on and, and on poverty, they define the different dimensions that, that they, they would include in the index of, uh, of child poverty that they analyze. And those are uh, these eight dimensions that I include here. So food, safe drinking water, sanitation facilities, health, that is uh, both nutrition and vaccination, then shelter, education, information, and access to services as well. And then based on this dimension, they construct an index where they assume equal weight to each indicator and they uh, define a threshold in each um, dimension following <coughs> more theoretically what they call is a, is a continuum of deprivation. So they, have, they say that the deprivation we don't have a situation where you simply have deprived and undeprived, but what you have is a continuum where you have different degrees of deprivation. They talk about these different uh, uh, levels of deprivation. Uh, they argue that what they really wanted to do is to measure extreme deprivation, but that the data is not, doesn't capture those type of deprivation, so they focus on uh, and severe deprivation and, and use that cutoff here at the threshold of the deprivation in each dimension. And then, going a second step following, uh, similar way that they, they, they are kind of foster method, so they define first the threshold of deprivation here, and then define two types, identify the children that are poor according to two uh, cutoffs. So they say they are in absolute poverty if they are deprived in at least one at least two of the dimensions, and they are in, in severe deprivation if they are deprived in at least one dimension. So those who are familiar with the current foster who remember the presentation last week, there's a dual cutoff, and they are following something that is similar at this, at this level. So they are doing a cutoff first in, the, in deprivation, and a second cutoff in the dimension. 
and then they compute the headcount ratio based on the on a on the percentage of people or children who are deprived in either one or more of the dimension or two or more of the dimension. So it would be the proportion of the children. And what we'll do in the what we do in the in the paper is to mainly focus on, on these two steps. In the two steps, two final steps of the method. So in the identification of the of the poor are in the computation of the headcount ratio and how the adjusted headcount ratio of the current foster can complement this, the, the analysis of child poverty. We don't discuss on other aspects of the methodology that, of course, uh, we consider, we, we think it's, it's also something that could be relevant to, to talk about and, and discuss, but it's not the center of the paper at this stage. So basically, the, 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 two, the aspect that we concentrate is on uh, a critique that has been also acknowledged by Dana Monica Minujin that the headcount rate is not sensitive to the breadth of deprivation. So the headcount will tell you the proportion of children that are poor, but it doesn't tell you in how many dimensions the children are poor or are, su are suffering, how many dimensions ch children are suffering of deprivation. So, um, and the other, the other point that we highlight and I do see later is that. The adjusted headcount ratio that the, we'll use with the current fossil can be broken down by dimension after the identification, possible identification step. So after you identify the pool using the sensor matrix, you can break down by dimension and you'll see how that, with some of the examples, how that can be really relevant for, for policy analysis. And then finally, we elaborate on issues related with the sensitivity analysis of, of, the, of the choice of threshold and weight. Because obviously, if, if you think about it, whether it's one dimension or two dimension to be poor, you, you would wonder to the extent to which those choices affect the conclusion to reach at the end. There are many, so many choices in between. So that's another of the points that we, we talk about. So just a, a really quick overview of the, of the method. You, Many of you probably are know it. This, uh, the, the method is uh, here, some of the publication where it was done. And last week, Sabina presented the multidimensional poverty index that was published uh, in the UDP, and that now it's going to include some additional content on the composition. There's also a range of, of work done at a country level, some uh, official poverty measure by, by country, like Mexico and Colombia, and some other studies that that are um, at different stages, and other, other academic publications. Say, in a very synthesized uh, way, the, the methodology is based on uh, an identification step that is based on a dual cutoff. So same as I said before, you have a deprivation cutoff, so who's deprived in each dimension, and then a poverty cutoff in how many dimensions the children have to be deprived to be identified as poor. Then an aggregation uh, based on an FGT class measure, like in income measures. And um, we'll see some of the properties and of, the, of the measure. So some of the steps to, to design a measure. Um, so you have a, a series of choices in terms of in, 
I mentioned an indicator that you include in the measure, the unit and of analysis that you include, whether you're going to focus on all the children or only on children under five or different age group, and what type of indicator you will include depending on the age group that you are considering the analysis. Then there are a series of, of choices in terms of uh, threshold of deprivation and poverty cut off and weights that are included in the, in the analysis. Of course, there's a really wide uh, discussion on this in some of the of material, um, and we, we are interested in covering some of this in more detail for child poverty. What I'll do is focus on the Bristol approach decision choices in this uh, aspect and uh, see the, the final two steps of identification method and aggregation method. So just in a very quick explanation with, in a very intuitive way, if you have uh, a group of children and you have uh, a group of dimensions that you're considering in your analysis and you define a threshold to, to say who's deprived or not deprived in each dimension, so you'll have D for deprived or not deprived, and then you'll know that children four is deprived in five dimension and children one is deprived in three. If you define a poet's cut off and say K equal three, so it have to be deprived in three or more dimension to be identified as poor, then children one and four would be um, identified as poor. And so you can compute the normal multidimensional poverty headcount, which is two out of four, so that would be 50% of the children are poor. That's what is presented in the, in the Bristol approach and in most of the multidimensional poverty measurement on children. What the account Foster does next is to study the, to, to look at the intensity of deprivation among the poor. And by intensity, we, we mean is if you have, it's not the same to be deprived in five dimensions out of five or to be deprived in two dimensions and three dimensions out of five. So there's a different intensity of poverty uh, in different uh, children. So we, the, the method focus only on the children that are poor and compute the average of deprivation among those that are poor. There's a step in between that is using the sensor matrix. I'm not afraid here so to make it simpler. But what you obtain in the end, computing the average, is that in average the children are the, the, the poor children are depriving 80% of the dimensions. Right? And then based on those, those two, you could obtain the multidimensional poverty index. That would be simply the multiplication of the headcount times the intensity of poverty. And that gives you, as you see here, 0 0.40. But say, to understand a little bit better, let's suppose that one children, children four, after a policy intervention, reduce the deprivation from two dimensions. So instead of being deprived in five dimensions, it's now deprived in only three dimensions. So for example, it, been, it received a vaccination and is now attending school. So the children is now only deprived of the three. The children is still poor because it, don't, it still has more than three dimensions in which it's deprived, but it's less if the intensity of poverty is reduced. So the headcount doesn't change. There's still 50% of children that are poor in there. And in that sense, it's not sensitive to, to something that is very important from a policy point of view. There's been a, a change 
in the well-being of the children that are poor, the intensity of poverty on the other hand will change because now that children is not depriving five out of five or three out of five, so it changed, and then the average of the population of the poor will be reduced to 60%. They're depriving less number of dimensions. There's been a positive effect of that policy, and that should be captured by the index. And that's what the, 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 the Karen Foster does with the M0 indicator, which is the final one, it was reduced to 0.3. And that, so far, is clear, right? But some people might still wonder, well, so what? Is it, is it, what is this really the implication for policy? So let's see just another way to say it on the implication for policy. They imagine that there are two countries, and this is the level of headcounts, multidimensional headcounts in both countries. They have, on average, this intensity of deprivation among the poor, and that's the final index. They are exactly the same at the beginning of stage. And now imagine that there are two policies. One policy, a poverty reduction policy, doesn't have an inequality focus. Right? So it doesn't really look at, at how poor the children are. So it does reduce poverty from here to there, but there's only a little modest reduction in the intensity of poverty, and the index is at the end over there. Right? In the other country, there's a policy that is actually oriented to the poorest of the poor. And it has exactly the same reduction in the headcount, but it reduces much more the intensity of poverty among the poor. And so the final index would cut that, because it would be much lower. So that, that's, in terms of policy, the, the basic fundamental uh, principle of using an adjusted headcount rating. You have to cut some of those aspects. And then he has a, a series of property that we'll see later, and so he represents some as weak, some of discomposability. So you can see within um, countries or ethnic groups that the headcount is also decomposable, but so it is, the adjusted headcount. And another property that is very important is, is that I mentioned decomposability after identification. So you can break down what dimension is contributing more to the overall uh, poverty, uh, multi-dimensional poverty. So that's appeal as, as much as I could, summarizing the whole method in uh, at least the M0 into fewer slides. So now we move into a case study. So say, let's use a country, let's take some data, and let's try to see with the data what it shows and the extent to which it, it adds to po uh, poverty analysis and, and, and monitoring of poverty, especially. So the case is Bangladesh. And we use the demographic household survey for Bangladesh. We have four years, four rounds. There. These are cross-sectional data. We have the 97, 2000, 2004, and 2007, a really nice range of 10 years. We have <coughs> what we'll do for the analysis is focus exclusively on undefined child poverty. We could have chosen children and, and young people, which is what Bristol Approach does. We decided to focus on only on undefined children poverty. So the dimensional indicator were easier to select, and so each children was definitely deprived or non-deprived, and the indicator applied to the children age group. Because obviously, uh, children under five 
don't attend school, so he cannot be deprived in school attendance. But so a children that is, or young people who is 15 years old and already have survived until 15 years old, the, the, the consequences of not receiving vaccination is perhaps not any, any longer as relevant as it is for a children before five years old. That has much more of an impact. You, you build an immune system after certain certain age. So there are different types of indicators that are relevant for this different age group, and we didn't want to get into that complicated discussion at the moment. So we simply focused on the five children um, for the analysis. And well, the data, just a reference, is representative at the national level. And renewable. So the indicator we use in order to do the comparison, as much as possible, we use exactly the same indicator as the Bristol approach. So you have uh, six indicators. There are an additional two indicators that we didn't include. One is educational deprivation, because it's not relevant for children older than five. And severe deprivation, or access to basic services, because it's not provided in the Bangladesh data. So we focus on the all other six dimensions and use exactly the same cutoff as in the Bristol approach. You have shelter that has to be with having non-flooring or inadequate roofing. Improved sanitation, which is uh, exactly the same NDG definition of, of sanitation. Drinking water, also exactly the same NDG indicator. Information, the Bristol approach defines has no access to radio or television. And it only applies to children between 3 and 17. So we only consider that indicator for children between 3 and 5. Then nutrition, they consider the, the three, if they are uh, malnourished according to any of the three uh, undernourished indicators. It's a union approach there. And then in health, they have to be not being immunized by two years of age if it hasn't received the eight following vaccination, and then you have the different uh, list here. And also, if it, uh, the children did not receive treatment for a, a recent illness involving an acute respiratory infection or diarrhea, and that's included in the, in the service. So if the children didn't have any of these two, it would be considered as deprived as well. That's exactly Bristol indicator. Um, but obviously, you might wonder, and, and we do, are there any missing dimension of child poverty in it? Um, for example, could you include some aspect of love and care, or support for learning, or social relatedness? Um, they are obviously excluded in the, in the index as, as it is. So there's a space for a broader discussion on the dimension that I included. This, this picture is in, in northern Uganda, some kids playing a game that is uh, they get together and pass a, a stick under the leg. And then another kid has to see where the stick is and, and win if he identifies which kid is. So there are perhaps some very aspect of life that also need to be included in the in the in the index, especially if you think in terms of support for, for learning and stimulation at a very early age. Perhaps it's very important in the in the well-being of the children later on. So, 
what do we have just in terms of percent, percentage of children that are deprived? We have uh, here at the top is simply the raw head counts of children that are deprived in each dimension. So we have more children deprived in shelter and then food and toilet and information and water. It's the final dimension. But then obviously it's not the same to be deprived in only one dimension, for example, not having TV or radio only, than being deprived in several dimensions simultaneously. And so that's what we're looking at in here. What we're presenting here is in how many dimensions the children is deprived. The children could be completely free of deprivation, so zero dimension, and that's only 3.56 dimensions. Kids are completely free of any sort of deprivation. Then 10% is deprived in only one. And from those 10% of children, most of them will be deprived only in shelter, few of them will be deprived in nutrition, and so you have the other, the other percentage. Interesting if you look at, at it, when you get to four dimensions, for example, when you are looking at health here, when you get a four dimension, the kids is 26, around 27% of the kids are deprived <coughs> in four dimensions simultaneously. It's a joint, joint distribution of the four dimensions, and those would include a combination such as that 90% of them will be deprived in toilet, nine, almost 100% in shelter, 88% in nutrition, 23% in health. So you're going to have really, really severe uh, deprivation in those, those groups. So what you have here is how, they, how this, an idea to show you how, how this de deprivation would uh, be experienced jointly by different kids in different, in different ways. So what we, what we do next, we count, as, as a method, we count the number of depri deprivation, and then we identify in how many dimensions the children have to be deprived to be identified as poor. And that's what we show here. You have the K cutoff, which is in how many dimensions they have to be identi identified, in how many dimensions they have to be deprived to be identified as poor. And you have the uh, multi-dimensional index, the head count, the intensity of deprivation. And obviously you're going to get the, the more number of dimensions, the less, the smaller the percentage of children you have um, in that condition. So you have to define a, a cutoff, which is what we call a poverty cutoff, um, and define where it would have to be. So we say something, this is just at first exploration, you'll say something between one, being deprived in only one dimension, or being deprived in three dimensions, you have 65% of the kids are deprived in at least three dimensions, and 96% would be deprived in at least one, which is perhaps too high. Something here is that we're using exactly the same weight, which is what the Bristol approach does. And you could, of course, question that more. We are not not working on that yet. Here, just simply comparing on what the principal approach gets in severe deprivation, which K equal 1 is 92, and then K equal 2 is 54. They are using it, as a reminder, they are using the whole children and youth. Here is a comparison with $1.25 a day and the MPI and the national poverty in Bangladesh for 
fine. They all include all the, all the members of the household, so it's all the population, all the children portion. So question is, of course, how, how do you define the K? And that uh, it comes to um, either normative issues that justify the selection of the K or <coughs> the poli policy purpose of the measure. For example, if you're going to use it for targeting, you might have a um, budget limitation, and so you, you want to define the cutoff based on that. So let's not enter on that debate for the moment, and let's just use one K, K equal three, and follow the, the analysis. And so where do the poor live is the, the following question. And then what we have here is a different, different region of Bangladesh. We have the headcount, the intensity of poverty, and the, the multidimensional poverty index as a result. And some highlights, just some of them, you have shield heads that have a really high multidimensional poverty, but an even higher intensity of poverty. And you have another, another region that is Barisal that has a much higher proportion of children that are poor, but the intensity of poverty among them, among the children that are poor, is much lower. And so what happens is that the final index is much closer. Same happens here with, for example, Chittagong has a high, higher intensity or, for example, Drakshaki, which is wrong scale. Um, it would be um, in this other uh, position. They, as you can see, the ranking is not changing as such, but the distance and the arrangement, in this case, do change. And of course, it's different. Then it's not only your, your, your worry probably won't be only the proportion of children that are poor, but also uh, where the relation in terms of the absolute number of children, and that relates with the population. And so in Barisal and Chilhead, there's less population, so you will have less contribution of those regions to the overall poverty. And in Dhaka, that has not that high um, poverty, you have, or Kumna, that has the, the lowest level poverty, has equivalent contribution because the population of Kurna is, is higher. But what you can see here is that when you use only population, if you move from headcount and then finally with the MPI, you have a change in the contribution of each region because of the intensity of poverty in those regions that are different. So if you're using an index of this type to inform, for example, resources allocation or priorities, it would, it would matter which index you use. Yeah. Um, this is only a question of robustness. So, are these rankings robust to the different K cutoff? Before, it, it sounds quite arbitrary to use a K equal 1, 2, or 3. So, you can see in this graph how it's not completely robust, especially in a certain K cutoff, but overall, the ranking, the ranking holds, and when, in this case, when they, they join, the difference is anyway not statistically significant. So you have always Klumna at the bottom, you have Chilhead at the top, between one and three, together with Barizal, and then later on, with different Kikonov, it does change the ranking. Yeah? So you could see the extent to which the, the measure is robust. Here is simply a comparison with other, other poverty measures um, that have been do, uh, applied to Bangladesh. Um, and overall, the ranking is coherent, but perhaps it changes 
the years change. So when we look at the, at the different years, it's going to change the analysis. So let's, let's actually look at whether we can monitor poverty all the time. Then what we have here is simply the index, the different indices and the variation. But what really matters, perhaps, should have put it bigger, we can see here is the standard error. So in the multidimensional poverty index, you can see a decrease from 97 to 2000, that is significant. And then from 2000 to 2004, you can see a small decrease, but actually probably not significant because the standard error is too close. And then finally, a decrease in 2007. So there was a decrease in the overall period between 2000 and 2004. There was not any change. In the intense, in the headcount, you can see here, and in the intensity, you see the, the changes over there. Here, interestingly, I, I haven't run it, but I should probably run hypothesis tests, for example, between 2000 and 2004. And it might be that this is that there was a decrease, significant decrease in intensity of poverty, even though there wasn't an increase in multidimensional headcount. Um, and then again, you would wonder the extent to which the poverty cutoff affect those conclusions. And what you, you see in this is that the poverty in 2000, in 1997, would always be higher than in 2007, regardless of which cutoff you use. And then the diff 2000 would be higher than 2004, but probably not statistically significant in the, the line. Then you would, you would wonder the, the contribution of dimension. I explained that one of the advantages of the method is that you can break down the, the index by dimension after identification and see the contribution of each dimension to the overall poverty. And, and that's exactly what we have here in percentage, is the top 100% uh, bar. And what we see, when you have the different composition of, of the dimension, which is of course related with the with the headcounts, but what is interesting is that you have a, a reduce in health during this period, and you have an increase in the contribution of toilet in, in 2004, and then a decrease again after. So there's, there's a change happening there, and in order to interpret it better, uh, better we can move to the sensor headcount, which is the proportion of children that are poor and deprived simultaneously over the total number of children. And that's what we have here. Again, we have the, the value, the point value, and we have the standard error. And you can see here in sanitation that there was a decrease in 2000, but then an increase in 2004 that is probably significant because the, the standard error, it is an error of a very sharp decrease between 2004 and 2007. So there was a, not, not all the story is about decreasing. There's also some increasing in some of the headcounts. And in health, we have actually a sharp decrease in the whole overall dimension. So that's why you have different contributions. So that did, uh, does help you to see where is that the country is making progress in terms of the overall uh, reduction of poverty. Here, simply, uh, the headcount and the intensity of poverty brought and in, in each mode, we have the regions, with the size of the region would be the size, the population, or the total number of children in this region would be the size of the, of the ball. And this is the movement that you see. So this is 997, that will be in 2000. 
And then you can see really incredible progress in some region. For example, you see that one. Really move all the way from there to there, that one. Some of the region are a little more modest in the progress that they are making. You have here, then from 2000 to 2004, it doesn't really move too much. In fact, you see some region moving even back. Yeah? And then finally, you have a really big improvement between 2007 and 2004, but not for all regions. You can see these two regions stay quite similar, where the other one are really moving a lot. So you have very unequal progress, if you like, across the regions. Um, and what you can do also is to, to break down the change. So is the change due to a reduction on headcount, so the proportion of children that are poor, or is the change due to a reduction of the intensity of poverty among the poor? And this is what we have here. We are simply putting the graph, the absolute change variation in each index. We know that in the 2007-2000, everything decreased, but the, um, this is Kulda, he has a higher reduction in headcounts than it had in intensity, whereas in Barisal you have a higher reduction in intensity than you have in the headcount, and that's why you have a, the, the distribution is a different type. So you have, you have a, uh, some improvement in the deprivation of the children in, in, uh, in Barisal, so the, the poor are less deprived than they were before, but they're still poor, whereas in Kulna, you, some of the children actually were left, left out, of, out of poverty. And you have also here no more changes, but actually some, uh, some region where the situation was worst and is more due to headcount of the operation. That's perhaps too much detail at the moment, but the main idea is that you can see whether the impact of the policy or the impact of the change was in the proportion of children that were poor or the intensity of their poverty. Here, simply break down by regions, and this is the headcount, the multidimensional party index by region, and you can see how in some regions there was an increase between 2000 and 2004, whereas some of the regions, like Shilhead, had a complete, a constant steady decrease over the period. The region that had increased, stagnated in that period, are actually the regions of the very south of Bangladesh. And even though there was not a major event during that period, there was a, a flood just before 2001, just after the survey, um, we might wonder the extent to which those regions have been affected by other sort of environmental problems. Um, but of course, it's not conclusive in that sense, but at least you can see the changes over the time. And when you break down by dimension, you see that in Barisal, one of the regions where the situation increased, you have an increase on sanitation and sheltering in that period, whereas in Chilhead, you have a steady increase in all the regions. You can do a proboscis check again for the different K-cut-off, and that's consistent, and it's robust to different K-values. And then the final question, just to close, would be, well, if we want to see the ranking of the region, which region is, has a higher poverty than another region, then we will be looking probably at the uh, M0, and the Multidimensional Poverty Index, but also looking at the standard error, because there's a precision in the survey, 
when you break down by region, then the, the, the sample reduces. So you might not have perfect precision in the estimation. So when you have a difference, for example, like this one, you want an extent to which that is significant, or is just simply an artifact of the sample. And, and so with the standard error, you see where the differences are significant or not. For example, here is clearly not significant, clearly significant, but there are other, other um, differences of ranking where the, the difference might not be significant. So you have the different years with the different standard error, but simultaneously, you also have the different k cutoff. It depends where you use a kick cutoff of one, two, or three, the ranking might also change. So doing an analysis of poll, this is the kick cutoff, this is 1997, 2000, 2004, and 2007. Analyzing those different patterns of information, you get to something like this, that perhaps is more uh, robust and precise. So you have Shinohead has been always one of the, the poorest regions of Bangladesh. And Kulna is always, regardless of standard error or k-value, one of the least poor regions of Bangladesh. And then you have some regions that would move in the, during the period. And a striking is Rakshaki, Shakshi, how do you pronounce it? Rakshaki. Um, where it, the situation got worse or the improvement wasn't at the same pace as the other regions, so it got closer to Shieldhead in 2000 and so in 2004, and then the situation in, in, in comparison to other regions got better. Where you have the same for Barisal, which is very interesting. Barisal was here, and then Barisal is one region where the progress was it experienced progress during the, during the period, but the progress was really slow in comparison with other regions of Bangladesh. So what happened is that it lags lack, behind. So if it was ranked at some point, then later on it's ranked much, much lower. And then some other regions like Chittagong are a region where uh, you actually see that at least during this period it was definitely ranking better than other regions. Here is less conclusive. You can't really, with complete 100% certainty, say because the sample is not large enough to say it. But there's some changes in ranking here that are actually quite interesting to, to see. And so you also find, when you see the contribution of each region to the overall poverty, you see changes. In Rashaki, you see an increase of the contributions of Rashi, then decrease, and then in Shinhead, it increases. So that's, that's another view of what, what the, paper, the paper does. Um, and the main conclusion, um, if, if you have to keep one conclusion of all the conclusions, is that, of course, the, the type of measure that you use does matter. So if you use a, a proportion of simply a headcount ratio, you, you reach different type of conclusion that if you use a, a measure that is adjusted by the intensity of poverty among the poor. And the intensity of poverty refers to how poor the poor are, or how deprived they are. Then um, the, the M0 does capture some of those aspects, and it has a series of properties that I have illustrated with the measure. Um, there's a, even though it sounds that there are too many decisions involved 
in producing an index of this type, you can actually assess the sensitivity of those decisions and try to reach a, an area in which you feel quite confident that, well, that, that is robust and it's, uh, it's consistent. 